For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does it mean that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many? In the ancient world, a ransom was what was paid in order to liberate a slave from slavery. If you knew someone who had enough money to pay you or to pay for your freedom, you could be free if someone were to pay that ransom. So what does it mean that Jesus has saved us or ransomed us from slavery? We get an indication of this in today's first reading from the book of Isaiah, where the prophet Isaiah is speaking about the suffering servant, which really is about Jesus the Messiah. Listen to what he says. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. In other words, Jesus bore our guilt on the cross, and he used his own life as a ransom to free us from the weight of that guilt, or from the slavery to sin. And as he does this, he gives us a freedom to have a relationship with God, to be in right relationship with God. And this is very, very important for us to recognize because we all owe a debt to God that we cannot pay. We already owed him everything because he created us. And when we sinned, we created the debt that we cannot pay, and yet he took that debt upon himself so as to cancel it so that we can live in freedom. Let me give you a couple of analogies to help you understand how profound this really is. If you were to take all the stuff that you've done that you regret and feel bad about, all the things that you have done to hurt other people, things that maybe cause you to feel guilty and maybe shameful and maybe to, to hate yourself, and you were to put that into a backpack and you were to try to put that on, would that be heavy? How many, raise your hand if you think that would be heavy for you, right? What Jesus is doing, he's coming up to each of us and saying, let me take that for you. And he puts it on himself and the weight of the world's sin crushes him on the cross so that we don't have to live with that anymore. He's come to set us free. We're taking another analogy. Imagine you owed the bank $30,000. It's a debt that you couldn't pay. And I were to write a check and deposit it into your account. What would happen to that debt? A check for $30,000, that is, right? The debt would be completely erased. It would be completely gone. That's what Jesus has done for us. And this really is the good news of the gospel, that he takes on himself what we could not bear, what was crushing us so that we might live. And another way of putting it is, Jesus takes what we deserve, and he gives us what he deserves. He took our sin and our death upon himself so that we could have right relationship with God the Father and to be free again. My brothers and sisters, this is the good news of the gospel. This is what we believe as Christians. And if we live in this reality of knowing that we have this undeserved love, undeserved grace, it changes the way that we live. And I would suggest in two dramatic ways. The first, knowing his forgiveness and what he's done for us we begin to recognize that everything in life is a gift. If we who have been loved undeservedly, we, if, if we know that we've been loved undeservedly, we are choosing to give ourselves as a way of the gift. And I can't emphasize this strong enough. If we do not know how much we have been loved, we will not extend ourselves in love and service to other people. 
It's precisely because we know that we have been loved, we begin to see that everything is a gift. We begin to live in praise and thanksgiving for every moment because we know that we deserve death. And yet Jesus took that death upon himself. That's the first thing. The second thing that happens when we know that we've been forgiven of a debt that we could not pay is that we begin to see other people with great mercy and we have more gentleness toward them because we know what it's like to have sin that we cannot overcome ourselves. In other words, it is when we know that God has chosen to forgive us of a debt that we couldn't pay, we are much more merciful to those around us. And so let me ask you a question. What do you think happens in our world when we reject God? When we increasingly reject the God of mercy? What happens is we live in a world without forgiveness, without mercy. And thereby trying to deal with the personal guilt that we all have, and that comes out in twisted and and in broken ways. And mind you, this is what atheists and unbelievers and agnostics struggle with as well. So there are three ways I want to propose to you that we try to deal with our personal guilt when we reject the God of forgiveness and mercy. Number one, we deny sin. We're in denial of it. When we don't know God's mercy and forgiveness, we try to deny sin because it's very difficult to face our sin when we don't know that there's mercy available. In fact, it's often too painful for us to acknowledge. And we deny sin in one of two ways. We typically will blame other people. The reason why I'm suffering is because of you. It's all your fault. It's all these people's fault, right? We're not, it's nothing to do with me. I'm a, I'm a good person. I have good intentions, so therefore I couldn't do anything wrong. And so we, we begin to deflect and be defensive. We blame everyone else for the problems of the world or the problems of my life. Does anyone see this in our culture today, right? Because what happens is a denial. If I cannot acknowledge that I've done something wrong, it's someone else's fault. And we do this so often and so easily that we, we don't even really notice it. Because after all, if there is no mercy... I have to somehow deal with my guilty conscience. And denial is one of the ways in which we do it. The second way that we, or I'm sorry, blaming other people is the way that we do it. The second way is that we rationalize our sin. We try to explain it away. It's really not that big of a deal. I didn't really hurt anybody. This is really just about me. And really, I'm a good person. And really, it's, it's, it's really not a sin because my understanding of how God is, or my understanding of how what love means, that really no one's really sinning. Well, the problem is, if you deny sin, you deny the very condition of mercy and forgiveness, and you live with this conscience that you're constantly trying to swage because you don't have peace of knowing that you've been loved in the midst of your unlovableness. What's interesting is that I see this in the church. I've seen people leave Christianity and leave maybe a church for a different church because they refuse to acknowledge that what they've done or what they're doing is sinful. They refuse to acknowledge it because they can't face it. So rather they go and look for a preacher that suits them, that agrees with them, so they don't have to change their life. The problem is, is that if they're wrong about sin, which they are, wherever they go, there they are. It's something that I say to people who who get upset about us teaching what the church teaches. They're going to go find a preacher that suits them. And I just simply say, is the church right or is she not? 
Is Jesus right or, or is he not? Because wherever you go, there you are. If you're going to go somewhere else, that's not going to change the fact that you have personal moral guilt you need to repent of. You see, when we deny sin, when we rationalize it, we take away the very condition of mercy. And that taking away that condition of mercy means we don't know his mercy. Which means we're left with a guilty conscience filled with anxiety. The, third, the second thing that we typically do is we typically cancel people that we disagree with, right? We all live in a, a culture that is a cancel culture, right? After all, if there is no mercy, there is no forgiveness, and someone makes a mistake that I disagree with, I'm going to condemn them, I'm going to judge them, I'm going to cancel them, right? There is no mercy, There's no forgiveness. There's no second chances. You've crossed us. You disagree with our ideology. You're canceled. Such a response is a kind of a social, a kind of a social bullying that condemns people to an irreformable way of life. They're beneath us. And such cancel culture is the perfect, it is the perfect consequence of an unchristian view of the world. Again, we reject the God of mercy. We should not be surprised that we see people canceling each other, writing people off. The irony is is that the people who are most judgmental, most easily able to write off other people that they maybe have seen their sins or maybe they disagree with them, are often the people who are struggling with their personal guilt the most. And rather than dealing with their personal guilt and acknowledging it and coming to God, they project it on other people so they can feel better about themselves because you're the one that's the sinner, not me. Such moral blindness is commonplace in our culture today. So the first is to deny, is to deny the sin. The second is to, to live in a kind of a cancel culture. And the third is to live in constant moral outrage, right? If we deny mercy and forgiveness, that, God, that Jesus has become our ransom and he's freed us from the weight of guilt, then it's easy for me to be morally outraged just about, with just about everything. And I'm not talking about the response to injustice. And I think all of us see injustice in our culture. We see injustices in our family, and that can get us to be angry. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a defensiveness and a sensitivity that so overwhelms us that we become outraged with just about everything. Or in other words, we are looking for a way to be offended. Because when we're outraged, we have control over other people. Such people hardly know the mercy of God in their own life. Because if they knew the mercy of God in their own life, they would give people the benefit of the doubt. They wouldn't be so harsh in their judgments. My brothers and sisters, what's needed in our world is is not more denial of sin. We don't need rationalization of sin. We don't need to cancel each other. Right? The only thing that's being canceled, by the way, is our sin on the cross. Right? We don't need to be morally outraged about every single issue. What we need is a personal experience of the saving love of Jesus that takes the weight of our sin off of ourselves so that we can be free to do something about the evil that we see in our world today. We need to bring people the truth of the gospel. And so my challenge for all of us is stop trying to deny your sin. Stop rationalizing. Just acknowledge it. Because it's precisely there that God wants to meet you. He wants to show you how lovable you are in your sin. He wants to show you that you're not defined by your sin. And when we know that mercy, and when we follow what the author to the letter of the Hebrews says in our second reading, 
when he says, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy, it's precisely then that we become free. God's mercy is free and it's available. But in order for us to receive it, we need to acknowledge our sin. It's uncomfortable to acknowledge where we've failed others and failed God. But it's precisely in that acknowledgement that we can come to this throne of grace and receive his peace. So as we come to receive Jesus in Holy Communion, and we come to approach Jesus who is the king and the throne of grace, perhaps if you haven't really confessed your sins or haven't really acknowledged some of the things that you've done in your life, you can just ask God to forgive you. And perhaps for others, if, if, if you somehow feel you're still guilty of something that you've confessed or that you've asked God to forgive you for, ask him for the grace to know that you know that you are forgiven. To know that God has paid the price as a ransom to cancel that debt that you owe so you can live in freedom. Because after all, we are the answer to the problem and the guilt in the world because we have the message of truth. And as we give ourselves to Jesus who is mercy, we can bring his mercy to a world that needs it the most.